Welcome to Northgate's podcast. We pray you enjoy the teaching of God's Word. May the Holy Spirit encourage, exhort, and comfort you. We invite you to come and see what the Lord is doing at Northgate. Come and grow with us. May you be blessed by the God of hope. I was just praying, God, this morning, it doesn't matter how well things are said. We desperately need your Holy Spirit. Everybody in this room needs to hear God's word this morning. So may we have ears to hear. Jesus cried. May they have ears to hear. Holy Spirit, soften our hearts to hear your truth and apply it to our lives. We know your word is true. Not what we think, not our culture, not how we feel. But your word is true. And so may we believe it and apply it and live in it. Thank you, God. You are so faithful. You have not left us alone given us your spirit and you've given us your word. We're so thankful. Pray this in your precious name. Amen. So we are in the book of Ephesians. Last week we covered in chapter 1 all the way through verse 12 and we talked about all spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms in Christ. We talked about how we are redeemed and forgiven. We talked that we have this great hope of eternity, that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And it's more important to have spiritual blessings than physical blessings. And if we truly understand them, wow, it will change the way we live. Amen. Yeah, right. You're ready this morning. See what God has to say. So in verses 15 through 23, we're introduced to one of Paul's two prayers for the church in Ephesus. And they are really wonderful prayers. I remember years ago when I was in New Jersey, I had been maybe to different prayer meetings in my life or my parents had dragged me along or Maybe in college went to a few, but they had a regular prayer meeting. And they had some older men that would really lead that meeting. And you know, I learned so much just by listening to them pray. You know, I learned in myself, like, that is a great way to pray. That is, they were just so mature. And I learned so much in just listening to how they prayed. Now, the disciples with Jesus as well, when they heard him pray or saw him pray in Luke 11, they said, teach us how to pray. Remember that section, remember? And then Jesus gives uh, them the Lord's Prayer. And he said, pray like this as well, teaching them to pray with persistence. And he talks about the friend knocking and asking and seeking. Well, here we have one of Paul's prayers, and we can learn from Paul how to pray for other people. Because sometimes we're thinking about someone, we're like, oh, I just don't know how to pray. 
I don't know if you've ever felt like that. I'm prayed out. And maybe for me it's one minute, maybe for you it's ten minutes, and you're like, you prayed everything that comes to your mind, and you're like, how do I pray for this person? How do we work to be more beneficial in our times of prayer? Well, let's take a look at how Paul prays, and we can learn so much from that. But ever since, he says in verse 15, I've heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus. And your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. And here's how we know he's praying. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Verse 19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. As we get into this, we're going to see that Paul specifically prays for this church in three ways. And in these three ways, we can pray for people, we can pray for ourselves, actually, but others in our life. I find it interesting, though, as he starts, he says, when I first heard of your strong faith and your love for God's people everywhere, I'm so thankful for you and I pray for you constantly. Isn't it sometimes we get a text or a thought or a phone call and things aren't going well and we hear, would you please pray for me? I'm going through a tough time, which we should, which I encourage you to have the humility to ask others in the body of Christ to pray for you. But I love it. That's not the only time we should be praying for people. Because Paul says, man, I heard basically that you guys are just your reputation of your strong faith and loving people is what I hear of. And that's what makes me want to pray. So it's not just when things are difficult, though that is included, and we need to do that because we need prayer when things are hard. But also, man, oh, I heard, so-and-so, you're doing so great. Your faith is so strong. Let me pray for you. Isn't that interesting? Because sometimes we see prayer, almost our view of prayer is the last resort. You know that? Well, we can't solve the problem ourselves. So let's pray. And I think Paul's saying, no, you're doing well. First on the list is prayer. 
And note how he combines thankfulness with prayer. And this is all over the New Testament. It's not like, oh, things are so bad. No, I'm thankful for what's happening and I pray. You know, Philippians, we know that chapter four, that we're not to be anxious about anything, but with thanksgiving in prayer, we let our request be known. That's an interesting way to pray. It's not like, oh, this is bad, which can happen, but thank you, God, that you're in the midst of this. Thank you for all my blessings, and I want to give you this request. And if you say, well, I don't have any blessings, well, you need to go back to chapter 1 and read verses 1 through 15. Because actually we're going to see that Paul is praying in the truth of the first 15 verses. So, what is the first thing? And when you're looking at scripture, we look at it, and it says, I pray, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight that you may know God. First thing, and you can never go wrong with this prayer for people. Pray that they would know God. Period. Sometimes we can't do it in our own ability or intellect. That's why he says, I pray that you would have spiritual wisdom. Or, in the New King James or King James, it says that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know God. To grow in the knowledge of who God is. To experience all of who He is and all of what He says. This is nothing new to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's his whole design to know Christ and Christ crucified. In Philippians chapter 3, he says, everything else in my life is, and, you know, we want to know about things, but in the end, he says, is worthless when compared to knowing the infinite value of knowing Christ. Isn't that an incredible statement in chapter 3, verse 8? And then he goes, in Philippians, goes on to say, I just, everything compared to knowing God is not much, but as I know him, and then he goes on to say, to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, I just want to know him. Now think again, Ephesians chapter 1 and all these blessings It's almost like he's saying, do you truly know the God that is so good to you, that is responsible for all of these blessings? Do you know his character? Do you know his life? Do you know who God is? Now you say, well, what about our problems? In light of who God is, our problems become dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. Think about it. It doesn't matter what your problem is this morning. First song, it was on the screen here. When you walked in, we gave you a little pre-look at it. God 
is able. Do you hear me? But if you don't know that, if you don't have confidence in that, then you can't respond to that. A little child with their father is not fearful because they believe and know he is able to meet their needs. You know, if there's a barking animal outside or wolves and his dad is holding his hand, it's okay. They know their dad. Their dad is holding them. They are confident in that truth that they are safe because they know in their mind and their heart, in their feel, who is with them. Do you know that? Do I know that? In the midst of controversy, if you have blown it, let's just say you've blown it and you're like, can I be forgiven? If you don't know the God who forgives you, you're then going to strive to do things. You're going to live in guilt. You're going to live in shame. But once you know God, and that's what, would you, would I have spiritual wisdom, a new revelation into the knowledge of the greatness of our God. And that's why Moses, show me your glory. And then when he experienced God and all that passed before him and his abounding love and goodness, his justice, his righteousness, it was absolutely incredible. But Moses had a greater knowledge after experiencing the glory of God. And when we know God, it changes everything. Everything else is worthless in compared to the knowledge of who God is. So, so powerful. Secondly, I pray that your hearts in verse 18 will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Or in the New King James, it says to his holy people who have a great Inheritance. Either way, it's okay. But the idea very clearly here for us is, I love the language that our hearts, light would come on our heart. So, you know, Paul says there's a veil, right, or darkness for those who don't know God. But when that's lifted, There's a light. It's almost your room. It's dark in the morning. You wake up. You can't see anything. You might bang your toe. And you turn on the light and you can see. Paul's praying in their hearts that they could see. Not just their mind. That their heart would see. And what would their heart see? It would see the great hope that he has called them to. Anytime you see the word hope in the New Testament, it's referring to eternity or heaven. So basically, Paul is praying here that you guys, it would come to light the reality of heaven and eternity, your great inheritance, your confident hope. I, You know, basically he's saying, in the midst of this world we live in and our needs and our difficulties, that you will zoom out and see that there's so much more. (laughs) Uh, 
How does your life change if you're confident in your hope of heaven? I feel like I want to go to Bible class mode and ask questions. I feel like I don't have you guys with me this morning, to be honest. I just see you're looking around and forgive me if I'm wrong, but just come back. Okay? You don't come to church to think about other things. That's a loving, if it's you, take it. If it's not, bad on me. That's how I feel this morning. So come. How does your life change if you are confident that there is a heaven? Think about it. Everything changes. Your financial life changes. How you pray changes. How you build treasure in what you do in good deeds changes. Because you're not living for now, you're living for eternity. And if you want to pray, pray for me, that I would have a greater confidence in the reality of the inheritance and the hope that I have. First Timothy chapter 6 makes it clear, even financially, if I have a view of eternity and I don't have money, I won't want money because I'm thinking of eternity. If I have it, I use it to build treasure there. Jesus said, go in your closet in Matthew, close the door and pray, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you in heaven. If you, we, me, really believe in heaven and the reality of judgment and crowns and good things, we would live a lot different here And we wouldn't get so worried about the fleshly things because we know there's something else. So when Paul prays this, this is a massively deep prayer that you don't need some great scholar or church father to tell you about. You can read it. You have an anointing to understand God's word that as we understand eternity, it should change the way we live. Amen? So the first point is know God. Zoom in to the knowledge of who he is, his power, his grace, his love in the midst of how you're living. The second point is zoom out to see there's much more than this life. And if you have a big day and you got things ahead of you and you're like, how am I going to get through this day? I guarantee you're going to get through this day. Because there's a tomorrow and there's a hope of eternity. And if things are looking like trash here, would you know that this is not the end of the story? We don't stop reading a book in the middle. We read to the end and the end of the story is our God is greater. Our God is victorious. And we're living for eternity and treasure there because all of this is going to shake away, burn away. We live for three things. We live for God, his word, and we live for other people because those are the things that eternal. And if you want to invest in the hope of eternity, you put your effort and juice into those things. That's the truth of scripture, amen? Zoom in to the greatness of God, number one, when you pray for people. Know that they would know him. And by the way, if you're a parent, these are great prayers for your kids, no matter their age that they would truly know God, that that they have spiritual wisdom to know God, that they would know eternity. And thirdly, such a beautiful point where you could do a whole sermon on, but I won't this morning, 
I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. And this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but the world to come. Number three, Paul is very clear. No God, no eternity, zoom in, zoom out. But you got to know the power that God has for you. You know, I go to prayer meetings like, oh, we need God's power. We need God's power. We need more power. We need to to work harder. We need God's power in this town. We already have it. That's what Paul's saying. We already have it. The question is, are you receiving it? Are you believing it? And are you walking in it? When we don't, we strive. When we don't, we try to control all our problems. And it leads to us being very tired and hurting a whole bunch of people on the way. Do you know the power that God has for you, has already given to you? And it is the same power And he gives us a few examples. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. It is the same power that ascended Christ to the right hand of God. It is the same power that Christ is ruling with right now in heavenly places. That power is available to you. Hello. We live like paupers, myself included, when difficult times come, when we don't understand this incredible power we have. And the connection in Romans chapter 8 is the power that raised Christ from the dead is the Holy Spirit who lives in you. I'm not talking about power. You want to talk about power to lift things, sure, Yeah, God does the miraculous things. I'm talking about power to forgive. I'm talking about power to love. I'm talking about power to be self-controlled. I'm talking about power to be patient. I'm talking about in the trial, I'm not going to go crazy. I'm talking about a power that trusts God, and I am just steady and quiet and confident in the Lord Jesus Christ who lives in me. I have a power. I'm not going to freak out when the world is freaking out. When I think the economy is going bad. I have the power when I'm offended to forgive and not try to get revenge. I have Holy Spirit power which produces the fruit of the Spirit which changes lives. Right? And sometimes we're looking, I need a physical move of the mountain. I need to see a miracle. You know what? No, you don't. What you need to do is to trust and believe what God has for you and all that other stuff will just come right along. You know, I was thinking and praying this morning and I said, we need a quiet confidence. We don't need an explosion because we're failing at point one and we're looking for point two. But we have the Holy Spirit within us who raised Christ from the dead. 
And that is incredible power. And if we go back to chapter 1, because he's praying all these things in, the blessings, the knowledge of God, the hope of eternity. Remember, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit for eternity. Remember those things? And this great power. As we're praying this resurrection power in, and it says, Jesus, here's the point, is in the heavenly realms. It says, and it will say again in chapter 2, that we are sitting with him in heavenly places. And as you understand you are with Christ and Christ's spirit lives in you, you sit in those places and you have all power over the enemy and your flesh. You don't have to give in to sin. You don't have to give in to that habit. You remind yourself in Christ, I have power to conquer. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And that's why we say bye-bye to fear. Bye-bye to the things that hold us down. Because it's, we know where we're sitting. We know the power we have in Christ Jesus. And he is ruling and reigning over everything in this world. What does it say? And the world to come. That's a lot of power and it's yours in him. But in your flesh, in your own strength, trust me, I've tried. It doesn't work. It doesn't. So why do you think we pray? Because I realize I can't. And he can. It's not only ask for things, it's aligning myself with truth. That's what prayer is. I go to this place to align myself, to remind myself of truth as I'm making my requests known to him. And that's why it's so important in our lives. And as you look at this prayer in Ephesians, you know, Paul's not like, uh, help the church to grow in Ephesus. I'm not saying we don't want that. We do. What he's saying is, oh, that they would know Christ. Oh, they would have the understanding that their hearts would be enlightened to the hope of eternity. Oh, they would know the power that God has for them. Next time you're sitting praying and you're running out of words, just open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1. Put your name in. Insert someone else's name. And if you've run out of people, would you just insert mine, please? That Dan would know God. That there would be a supernatural revelation, supernatural wisdom to know God that he would show me things that I need to see, that I would know eternity and I wouldn't get stuck in this world, and that I would know his power. Because I want to walk in his power. And I want to live with him. And I want to be different. No matter what the world is saying, no matter what some of the church is saying, no matter what my feelings are saying, I want to live the truth of God's word. Amen? So, Lord Jesus, this morning, may we know you. May we know Christ and Christ 
crucified. May we understand everything else is worthless compared to the knowledge of Christ, the power of the resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering. So this morning, would you give us that spirit, that revelation to know you? In our own seats, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Any situation that comes to mind in our life right now, our children, our loved ones, work, neighbors, needs, provisions. God, reveal something about who you are to that right now. Would you reveal the character of Christ to us? Just in quietness, whatever is on your heart this morning, would you allow the Holy Spirit to reveal who God is in that situation? Lord God, would you remind us of the incredible length of eternity? And this earth is only but for a moment. And that we have a sure inheritance, unmovable, unshakable, in Christ, in heaven forever. In this moment, would you remind us of our hope for your people, your inheritance? And would you remind us of our inheritance, which is paradise with you? Or do we apply that to wherever our mind is this morning? And thirdly, some of us need power to live your character out. And we do need to see miracles. So, Lord, would we receive And know the power that you have for us in Christ Jesus. In our strength, no. In knowing who we are and where we sit with you, we can conquer evil. We can live right. You have given us that power in the Holy Spirit, and we give you thanks. And we believe it and walk in it. We don't have to have a big party. We don't have an explosion. But we want that quiet confidence that will not waver, that we have all power in you. As we take communion this morning, would you reveal more of yourself to us that we can celebrate who you are? God, would you forgive us? Thank you. The elements speak loudly of your forgiveness. Forgive us for our failure. Forgive me. May we know and be reminded 
the amazing love and forgiveness of Christ. Thanks for listening. If you want any information about our church, check us out at northgateministry.com. If you'd like to listen to more teachings, you can listen at YouTube at Northgate Ministry.